And when everybody get there, would you please say amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, team, y'all did a good job this morning. I appreciate you guys for that. <clears throat> Let's pray. Blessed Father, our God, thank you. Lord, we honor you this morning, and we bless you by lifting up our hands in the sanctuary and accepting our praise that we sent up to you, Father. We thank you. And Father, we thank you for allowing us to wake up this morning as we laid down last night and meditated upon you and our life and where we are with you and where you are with us and in us, Lord. We thank you for giving us another day to come and serve you and at least try to get better. I feel that, Father, as long as we are honestly trying to get better, I believe your grace will be sufficient to help us. And I put no pressure on anyone to try to do this within themselves, Father. I always leave it up to you through your grace. So I bless you for that freedom, Father, and I thank you. And God, I just ask right now that you look over every family here and look over Deacon Hills, our chairman, Deacon's uh, family. His boy was sick this morning slightly, and we just want you to have your eyes upon them also, Father, and bless them and keep them. We thank you in Jesus' name for all those that wanted to be here but couldn't make it, for those that could and didn't. We want you to bless them in spite of Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is everybody at uh, Isaiah? Title of this message is Trust in the Lord. And we, I, I can see as God uh, moves forward that <clears throat> I can see the mixture again of the practical spiritual knowledge along being mixed in with the revelational knowledge of God. And here we are in the mix today. And we're in a, quite frankly, we're in a disastrous time in America, at least along the world. There is so much propagation of division. And God is not one of division, but one of unity. And if this nation, or this church, or any family, or anything else that we have, if it's going to succeed, it's going to have to be in unity. And I don't know if you've been looking around lately and having your ears open and your eyes open, but there's a great assault against unity in this nation. But just hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 8. Verse 16, the Bible tells us here that we are to bind up 
the testimony and seal the law among my disciples. He called them even disciples in the Old Testament. Hmm. Because if you really look at this chapter here, when you go into the ninth chapter, it's going into a prophetic voice of the Lord Jesus Christ being born. I'm more concerned in Jesus Christ being born than us. So I want to make this a now word as always because it's so prevalent that way. He says for us to bind up the testimony. Well, first I want you to go with me to Isaiah the ninth chapter, just one chapter over. And I want to read verse 2. And when we get there, please say amen, because it's right there close to you. It says that the people that walked with an ED, past tense, that walked in darkness, have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. Thank you, Father. So he says in verse 16 of chapter 8, he says, I want you to bind up the testimony. This is the prophet being talked to by God. He says, I want you to bind up the testimony, and I want you to seal the law among the people. God is talking directly to this man, Isaiah. And Isaiah is a prophet, which means he's an inspired speaker of God. And he has a message from God. But if you notice this, the message came to him first. The message, God's message said, you bind up the testimony. Then you seal the law among my disciples. You see it there? There are two different sequences there. So before anything can be sealed, it appears to me that the testimony of God, which is the evidence and the proof of God, and his word being true, it has to be bind, bound up to the individual that God is speaking to. To be bound up, it means to be held closely together. Because you do know that we're walking the straight and narrow path. You see, that means that there is evil communication in close proximity every step of the way that we take. So, by binding up, holding close together means to clamp or wrap around. We need to wrap around the evidence and the proof, this testimony. That's what he's telling us to do. Wrap it around you. Hold it close. Because this road that we're on is so narrow that if we don't bind up and clamp the evidence and the proof of Jesus in our life around us, we may have a wreck because of the road being so narrow. 
So the word of God says, now after you do this, after you bind up the evidence and the proof of me, then I want you to seal the law among my disciples. That means that I want you to let the precepts of God flow through my disciples. Now, here we are, we're a unit. A unit of God's disciples. And if I wrap the testimony of God up in my life, the evidence and the proof, then I should be able to seal the law of God, which is the word of God, among you according to this word. And in doing so, it will cause the precepts or the rules and the regulations of God to flow as a unit within this community of God's people. The word seal up means to stop anything from coming in that don't need to be in and to stop anything from going out that don't need to go out. You know, cause a sheep, if you're not watching it, it'll go astray. So it's the, just the job of the shepherd to seal it up. Because what'll happen is it'll wander off. You see? Because, why? Because it thinks that it knows. But if the sheep knew what it thought it knew, then why? Does it need a shepherd? Rest you. Think about that. If it knew, if it really knew what it thought it knew, then why would God give it a shepherd? Do the sheep, does the sheep know more than God? Do the pot that's being made say to the potter, why are you making me like this? Is it not God's will to make it which and ever where he want to make it according to his will? So we are to closely hold together these evidence and the proofs of God and we are to let the precepts of God flow through us as a unit, as a team through the sealing of the word. And verse 20 goes on and says that to the law which is the precepts of God. And to the testimony, which are the evidence and the proof of God, the Bible says, if they, listen to what the word says, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. You don't do this your way. I don't do this my way. It's God's way or it's no way. Point blank. There's no negotiation with this word. You know why? Because the Bible tells us that God placed his word above all of his name. Now, if anybody come with any other word, it says, other than this, to the law, verse 20, 
And to the testimony, it is because there's no light in them. John 1, 5 says that light came into the world, but darkness comprehended it not. We were talking yesterday about how you can look at the trees, and you can look at a row of trees, and everything is green. And then there's that, just that one that's dead. He's in the same ground as all the rest of them, they're alive. So it ain't the ground that it's in. The tree got a virus. And if you're too close to that tree, if you ain't, if you ain't careful, you'll see brown leaves start on another tree, two or three trees down, if you ain't careful. Because it'll hear the death and the call of death that the other one listened to that's dying. Another one I listen to, and it'll start dying too. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying up in here? The Bible says in verse 21, and they passed. Who is they? Go back up here to verse 19 and tell you who they are. First, I told you they have no light in them, right? Who, we got to find out who they are. You see verse 19 here? And when they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits. That's the ones that talk that noise, but it's idle talk. Ain't got no power in it, ain't got no nothing in it. They like to get close to you and pull you away from God. Anybody ever meet them kind of people during the week on their job and in their lives and all that kind of stuff? You know what I'm saying? They come up in your house and they tell you that I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that. Yeah, they're trying to trick you. Watch who you let come up in your house. Your house. Watch who you let do that. Watch what you let come up in there. The Bible goes on and says here that verse 19, and when they shall say unto you, seek unto them. See, they're trying to get you to seek something that God told you not to mess with. Seek unto them that have familiar spirits. And unto wizards, uh-huh, that do what? Got the people's in the house. Look, the people off in somebody else's business and then try to tell them how to run the show. Anybody ever done that? Y'all ever had anybody do that to you? That's a people. That's what that is. It's a don't be careful about that. And then the mutterers, you know, the ones that just ain't satisfied about nothing. Every time they come, they got something negative to say. Y'all know anybody like that? That's a mutterer. Every time they turn around. Sky blue, I wish it would rain. Rain coming, I wish the sun would shine. A mud. And then, the Bible says in verse 19, Should not a people seek unto their God? For the living to the dead? I'll show you something here in this word here. Tell you what, what messes us up. Go down here to verse 21. Are you there? Just want to teach this morning. Preach Wednesday. 21 says, and they, we already know who they are. 
That's the ones them folk trying to get us to do things we ain't got no business doing. Try to get us to be the opposite of what God called us to be. Mm-hmm. And they shall pass through it, the land. That's what it's talking about. And look what they now, now these are they, which are them wizards and them peoples and the murderers and people that listen to them. This is what's going to happen to you if you want them, if you listen to this mess. This is what's going to happen to them. This is the word of the Lord. Hear me. And they shall pass through it, which is, they shall pass through the land. They're going to be hardly be stead and hungry. That means they're going to be sorely distressed. Mm. Sorely distressed and hungry. Wow. And it shall come to pass, that means it will happen, that when they shall be hungry, watch this, when they shall be hungry, they shall fret who? Themselves. That means that when that word fret themselves means they're going to break out in a rage and displeasure about the situation. See, see, they done tried to do it their way so long. And they just keep going against God and keep going against God and keep going against God until God says, okay. Okay. You're going to be in sore distress. And not only that, but you're going to turn on each other because you're going to break out in a rage and of displeasure because you're going to be so hungry. He's talking to the people who go against his word and teach others to do the same. That's what he's talking about. There won't be no prospering in that. Amen. You won't prosper. I don't care. You won't prosper. You, 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 you. He'll let you go just a little while, and then the Bible says, and then I'll blow on it. I'll let you build it up, and then I'll blow on it. That's God's word. He'll let you think that you got it going on, and that you're getting it going on. He'll let you build it up, and then. Looked at Bernie Madoff. That thing last night on Bernie Madoff. He's over there at Button. I done time at Button. I know that place well. As they were showing them places in it, I could understand where he was. And they were talking about, here's a man that's done stole $60 billion or more. And here's a man that in the penitentiary, and he had to ask uh, 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 one of the lawyers that came to sue him on behalf of some of the clients that he defrauded, he had to ask that man to buy him a little can of tuna in their four-hour interview. It's a long fall from 60 billion down to one can of Starkiss tuna. Did you hear what I said? And not only that, but the man that interviewed him said that he was so happy to get it. You see, God can put us in a position you know, sometimes we get too high. We get too high. And God will put us in a position that will bring us back down to ground zero. That's why it's best, Paul said, look, I've learned how to be hungry when I'm full and full when I'm hungry. I've learned how to be abased when I'm low and low or, or, or abased when I'm high. And how when I'm obey. In other words, I've learned at whatever state that I'm in, therewith to be content. If I'm up, I've learned not to be proud about it, to be humble. You know? But if I'm down, I've learned 
to be up about it. Because I know the same God that brings me up is the same one that humbles me so that I can learn the lesson of faith. Well, the Word of God says that they shall fret themselves. And look what else they're going to do, verse 21 says. You know, because you can get so God to done so, so mad and displeased and crazy to you, just curse God like they do here. It says, and curse their king, which is Jesus, and their God. And look up. But in other words, they're going to be looking up. They're going to be so distressed. Because, and, 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 and why? Because they have fretted themselves. Bible didn't say God did. They say the Bible say they fretted themselves. In other words, they became displeased of their own action that they put themselves in because they were hungry. Now that hunger covers a lot of things now. Bible goes on and says that they fret themselves, and then when they break out in the rage, because man has got he's such a worm, you know, that he just want to do it his way, and God just got to break him all the way down. That's what I like about God. He got a way of breaking all of us down. I mean, man, pull out his gun. You know, if he could, he shoot God. And God sitting there on the throne looking at food. So God fixing to break him down. Oh, you know what I'm telling you. You know God will break your little tail down. He ain't nothing. That I ain't either. Let's just get real about it. Let's get real like you don't want to hit. Enjoy this whooping. Better get whooped now. Than later. So let's, let's, let's just get this. Let's just get it. They'll hear that they're king, they're going to curse the king and their God while they're looking up. Mm. Watch Revelation. Go to Revelation 16, 9, 11, and 21. If you don't believe they curse God. Revelation 16, chapter 16. When you get that, say amen. 9, 11, and 21. Look at the word. Look at verse 9, 11, and 21. The Bible says in verse 9, And the men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed. That means they cursed God. The name of God. Which had power over these plagues. Uh-huh. And they repented what? They didn't repent. So they fretted themselves. They broke out in an outrage of this plague. Didn't they curse God looking upward, right? And the king, right? But they didn't repent, did they? Uh-huh. Look at verse 11. And they blasphemed, meaning they cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and sore and their sores, but they still didn't repent of their deeds, did they? See, see how he is? Didn't I tell you man crazy? Didn't I tell you that God got to break him down? Because he's prideful. Man is prideful, y'all. Even when he thinks he ain't, he's prideful. That's why God said, I'm going to speak to you in a dream so that I can get you to heal, to draw you away from your purpose and hide pride from you. Well, sometimes we don't want to hear none of us. Verse 21 says, and they fell, and they fell, Revelation 16, 21, and they fell upon them a great hell out of heaven, upon men, 
every stone about the weight of a talent, and men still cursing God because of the plague of the hail. For the plague was great and exceeding. Not one time did they curse themselves for being crazy. They cursed God for putting that thing on them every time. Every time they did it. Verse 22, back over here in Isaiah. I'm not going to be with you a lot. Verse 22. Over here in Isaiah. Chapter 8, verse 2. Are we there? So they looked up to God and they cursed him, did they not? Ain't that what he did? Now watch what they do. And verse 22 say, and they shall look unto what? Oh God, you see how messed up he is? But watch what they see. Trouble. And what? So they looking to the God of the earth. They curse the true God, but they curse, they curse the true God, but they look to the God of the earth. Well, what nothing going to be brought to them but trouble and darkness. You see what they did? And behold, trouble and darkness, that word behold means to, and look. When you look out at the world, what do you see? Trouble and darkness. If you don't see that, then you 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 one of them that's telling them folk that it's gonna be alright and they're keeper and a wizard. That's who you are, because you are lying through clothing. If you if you looking out and you seeing hope for any other way than through Jesus Christ, in your politicians. <laughs> Come on, man. Is that all you got? You got nothing. I'm like Al Capone. You got nothing. Yeah. Nothing. You got nothing. If that's all you got. If a dollar bill, you got nothing. If that's all you got, is the glory of yesterday, you got nothing. Bible says in the book of Peter that men are like grass and the glory of them is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the glory fades away or the flowers fade away. And so it is with a man and his glory. <laughs> One day up, the next day down. One day healthy, next day sick. One day able to eat, the next day somebody got to feed him. Then where is your Savior? Well, your friends at now that gave you wrong counsel. They were there giving you wrong counsel. What at now? What at? God, I seriously say he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Well, your friends at now when you need them. Bible said they're going to look to the earth. Hmm. But Psalms 121, verse 1, I believe it says that I will lift up my eyes into the hills, not the earth, but to the hills, which come of my help. My help comes from the Lord. But they look to the earth. That's what the word said. The only time they looked up was when they were cussing him. 
Why, cousin? I couldn't get away. Everything they tried failed. So they put their money in the stock market, and it failed them. Now they broke in hunger. Do you not know a little money better than no money? Let me tell you something. If you got enough money, leave it alone. Don't be greedy. Just leave it alone until God speak to you. Because here again, the SEC, that's the Security Exchange Commission, when that lady called and asked him about Madoff, they gave him a triple A rating, said you couldn't have your money in nobody else, in a better man's hand. Good God Almighty. The SEC, that's the one that's supposed to be protecting us from scams? <laughs> so what I'm saying is, don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything you see. Don't believe everything you see from a fool with a microphone that's got a camera on. Stop doing that. Well, I heard it on the news. So, the news ain't news no more. It's a reality show. That's all it is. One time. Don't you know it? Here, you want the news? Here it is. Here it is. He says that there's going to be, verse 22 says, there's going to be the dimness of anguish when they look to the earth. Trouble, darkness, the dimness of anguish. Remember that word, dimness. But on this dimness, it says in verse 22, there's going to be anguish attached to it. And they shall be driven, listen to it now, God said he's going to drive them to darkness. But we as Christians, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10, talks about how we're troubled on every side, but we're not destroyed. We're perplexed, but we're not despaired. We're cast down, but we're not forsaken. Or cast down, but not destroyed. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Because we're always caring about in our body the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that his life might be made manifest in us. See, while the world going to hell, we're going to heaven. Y'all ought to give God some praise. Y'all ought to praise God. If you really believe if you're a real believer, that one now will make you move. Verse 9 goes on and says a word called nevertheless, talking about that dimness. Nevertheless. Now he's changing the dimness now. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such. See, it's a difference from the dimness of the anguish. See, this thing done changed now. Prove to you in a minute. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. That's that when the time of the Dimness of anguish. See, it's not going to be the same. We're talking about the birthing of Christ in us. It said, it's not going to be the same as it was in her vexation when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon. Zebulon is the habitation of life within us. You know how we were lightly afflicted? To get us to come to the dimness of God instead of the dimness of anguish? There's a difference in the dimness. I'll show it to you in a minute in the Word. He says this dimness is not going to be like it was in the land of Zebulon, the habitation of life within us, 
or the land of Naphtali. That's that place of wrestling, you know, when we were wrestling and we were afflicted by it to the max. He said, that, the dimness that I'm bringing to you, it ain't going to be like that. Because that then was a dimness of anguish. But I got another dimness I'm going to bring to you. And afterward, did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, which is by the way of the spirit, beyond Jordan, which is the spiritual realm, in Galilee of the nation, which is the circle of the heathen. So what God is saying, like, when you were in the circle of the heathen, when you was in the world, that dimness of anguish that I gave you ain't going to be like the dimness that I'm going to give you now that you're inside of me and I'm inside of you. You understand? He said that the people that walk in darkness have seen a great light. Mm -hmm. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, this life that we're in, this shadow of death. He said we saw upon them has the light shine. You see, light came into the world, but the world, it didn't comprehend the light. But some of us who walked in darkness saw that great light. And we accepted that great light according to God's word. And ever since we've accepted that great light, there's been a spiritual thing down inside of each one of us of hope. Like we never had before. Didn't mean that we weren't going through things. But it meant that there was something inside of us that gave us hope. To, 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 to try another day in Jesus. So it talks about how this light has shined upon them that were walking in darkness. Let's go to John 1, 4. John 1, 4. When you get there, please say John 1, 4, we're talking about this light that shined upon us. Watch this. It says, John 1, 4 says, in him, talking about Jesus Christ, which is the word of God. In him was L-I-F-E, light, right? And that light was the what? Light of men. The light of men. Remember, we were walking in darkness. The people in darkness that walked in darkness have now seen a great light that walked in darkness. Mm -hmm. Walked. Past tense. I mean, we ain't walking in it no more. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Go to 319, John 319. Still talking about this life. Everybody there? And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because what? Their deeds were evil. Mm -hmm. And everyone that doeth evil don't like nobody coming to him shining the light on him. See, everybody that doeth evil hate the light. Neither coming to the light, least his deeds should be corrected, reproved. So the word of God is telling us here that when we are living in darkness, 
We don't like nobody coming to us messing with our little pet peeve sin. We don't like that. We got a problem with that. No, you don't mess with that. Everybody that's living in darkness hates the light. They don't want the truth. They want to sit up in the church and be all right. They want the preacher to preach that it's all right. That's what they want. That's what church folk want. You didn't know that? Everybody in here got a hidden sin. Don't you lie to me. Amen. And don't lie to God. Amen. And if I start pulling on you with that hidden sin, you inside you'll say, I wish you'd get off of me. Because that thing will start tugging on you. If I preach it hard enough on you, it'll start, it, it, you know what it's doing though? That's surgery. That's surgery. No, a knife on you. The light just show you where it is. The knife is the surgery. And then there's John 8, 12. Let's look at that. Still dealing with the light that shines on the people in darkness. John 8, 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Remember? In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Oh now. Let's get a little let's get a little just a little bit deep here now. Let's go to verse 5 of Isaiah 9, verse 5, okay? Let's go back over here to our main text. And we're going we're gonna to deal with a short episode of a few revelations here, okay? Are we there? It says, For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. Mm-hmm. But this, uh-huh, this shall be with, this what, this battle, shall be with burning and fuel of fire. You see, every battle that you and I have ever fought in our calm self before we were saved, an earthly battle, it was with a great noise of confusion, because that's probably what got it started, what, confusion. It was with that. And some way, form, or fashion, blood was shed. See, blood don't have to be just actually where you shoot, stab, or cut somebody. But blood is when you take the life out of somebody through your words and through your actions toward them. And what the battle of confusion brings is the deadening of life. It's what it does. And when you bring forth the deadening of life, then what you have is you have blood on your hands. 
That's why it's so prominent that we teach people the correct way. And that's why it's so prominent that we don't be around people that's teaching us the wrong way. Because what happens is, is that we'll either become a victim of the circumstances or we'll be the one who committed it. They call that the culprit. But either way, nobody wins. Culprit or victim. Nobody wins that way. So every battle that's fought on this earthly plane is done so with confusion, a confused noise, and garments that are dipped in blood. But the battle that God takes on once he's birthed inside of us is one of burning and fuel of fire. It's different. Because God, Hebrews 12, 29, is a confused swimming fire. So, see, the, the, the war strategy changes. It changes. I'm going to show you how it changes. Go over here to Second Chronicles 20. It's familiar here. But we're going to bring revelations out of it. Second Chronicles 20, verse 15 and through 17, okay? Let's see if I can get this right quick. Yeah, we'll be out of here. Yeah, we're doing good. Second Chronicles 20, verse 15 through 17. When you get there, would you please say amen? Okay. I really want you to see this. I want you to see what's going on here. Over there. Look what happened. Verse 15, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15 says, And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, which is all praise, and all ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, all of those of us that are in peace. He said, Hearken. And thou, King Jehoshaphat. You need some too. Thus saith the Lord of God, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this multitude. Have you ever had a lot of things coming at you, a multitude of things coming at you, and you get scared? God said, don't be afraid. He said, hold up. If you're in praise, Judah, and if you're in peace with me, the king that rules in you, don't be afraid. He's telling us, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed about this great Multitude. Now we're talking about war strategy here. For the battle is not yours, but whose? But it's not. It says in verse 16, tomorrow. Tomorrow is your next season that you go into. We're in a thing called the next season now. God is showing us the strategy for this season. To keep us from being taken back into another season. See, some people, when God calls us to go to the next season, we don't cut the, cut, cut the mustard. Have you ever noticed every time we go to another season, somebody drop off, but God adds more? Have y'all ever noticed that? That's because they couldn't handle the responsibility that comes in the next season. People, life don't give us life the way we want it. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's immature Christians who, when they don't get their way, they scout out on God. That's why God tests us. You know that? To see where our growth is. Because do you think God can take, you know, you know, that's why the Americans don't want certain countries to have nuclear weapons. 
They can't handle it. They're crazy enough to use them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we have to so God, before God can give you, you know, all this stuff you think that you want, you got to prove yourself. He said, look here, you've been faithful over a few things. Now come on up and I'll make you rule over many. He just ain't going to make you rule over many first. He got to make sure you, you, can, you know, and every, and, and now, uh, yeah, faithful, you know. And you got to go through the steps. And as you go through the steps, there's a test that you got to take. You've been, you've been in school. You know what's happening. Well, you, well, you thought school stopped. When you don't pass, what happens? You got to do it again. And you keep doing it again if you don't drop out. I say if. I say if. So look here. 16 says, Second Chronicles 20, verse 16 says, tomorrow, your next scene, he said, I want you to go down against them. See, don't be going down before you're ready to go down or before God tells you to go down. You understand what I'm saying? You know how folks do. You think you got it going on now. You think because you got a little God under your belt, you're going to go over there, you get your head busted. I'd be a fool to go in a crack house. You understand what I'm saying? Don't go down there. Uh, yeah, thank you. You got it together. You're going to go down there and be waiting on you. Okay. I know it's a lot. You know what I'm saying? And we make that mistake. We get a little headway with God now. We think we can do this, we can do that. We ain't got to come to church. You know, we got all kind of crazy. And the next thing you know, we down by, you know, down by that old river, scratching our head, naked, done got, done, done, done got rolled. You know, and you down there broke, disgusted, rolled. How did that happen? You went down before God told you to. So God said, tomorrow, your next season, I want you to go down because I'm going to show you something. I can't show it to you in this in, in the season that you were in because you wasn't ready for it. You'd have went down there and you'd have fell in. But I'm going to show you how this thing been getting you. I'm going to show it. I'm going to show it to you through the Word. He said, I want you to go down against them. Behold, he's showing you how that enemy comes up by the cliff of zeal. The cliff of zeal is that cloak of light. That's how he's been coming up on us. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about here in a minute. And ye shall find him at the end of the group before the wilderness of Juriel. Now watch this. When you go down, he said, you're going to find the enemy by the cliff of zeal. He's going to be down there doing some things against you. He's down there at the end of the brook. The brook, the end of the brook is where the end of the brook is about to flow into a large body. You understand? He's at the end of the brook. Here's what he does. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11th chapter how Satan He's all, don't marvel at it, he's always turning himself into an angel of light. Remember the Cliff of Zeal? Cliff of Zeal says, cloaked in light. This is how the devil always gets us. He takes that thing that we like, and he cloaks it in light, like it's a god, like it's okay. Now what? 
Now you can't see it while you're over here in this season over here, but when you get to that next season, you know, you got a little, you got a little surgeons with you now. You say, okay, now I'm going to take you down there and show you because that sucker's going to try to do that to you again. So when you go down there with him, you'll see. He's down there, where is he at? At the end of the brook. The brook running into the large body of water, which is our soul. He pushes, push that cloak of light on. He takes that thing that you like and he takes it and he dams up that brook to keep it from flowing into the larger body of your blessings. Do I make sense to y'all up in here? That's what he'll do to you. That's that word now. That's that word. He cloaks himself in the light. He said, marvel not. That's Satan can turn to take it to an angel of light. And his ministers do the same. They'll preach that gospel of bull crap. And you will go for it. And you'll thank it's God because they cloak it. It's a lie of true clothing. It's a lie of true clothing. Truth got together one day, you know, and they're going to have a meeting. Truth said, okay, I'm going down here. I got to be down here at 12 o'clock to have this meeting. Lie was following the truth. All, lie always follows truth. Truth took a bath because he wanted to be clean, you know, before he spoke. While truth was taking the, 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 the bath, Lie stole his clothes, put them on, rolled up in the town in the name of Jesus and spoke for truth. Hit them truth coming, no clothes on, no nothing, naked. They looked down the road, one man hollered out, that come the naked truth, that's a line truth clothing because that come the truth and it's naked. In other words, truth need to be naked. And the truth is that a lot of us, all of us, got something that's cloaking itself to be light. And what it's doing is damming up the brook to keep the water from flowing in to us the way it's supposed to be. So until we, but God, what God does, God takes, and he says, okay, in your next season, I want you to go down. I'm going to show you what this thing is doing. So what he does is he shows it to us. And then in verse 17, he says something to us. And I thank him for this. In verse 17, he says, Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Remember that word dimness that I told y'all about? It's a different dimness. He said, you don't need to fight in this battle. Because I'm going to get back to that just in a second. He says, I just want you to set yourself. First thing you need to do is set yourself in your position. Rule number one, set yourself in your position. Rule number one, set yourself in your position. That's rule number one. Rule number two is to stand ye still in your position. Don't move. Remember we talked about that tree? You plant it, and then the next morning you go up and that thing doesn't move. It ain't standing in its position. Who told it to move? 
The devil. The ones that these talk about go consult the familiar spirits and the peoples. That's who moved it. So when you're out of your position, that's why you done it. Because you listen to the wrong one. You listen to the wrong people. So when the new ones come in, like I say, you know, the new ones, you know, flock to them, church. Flock to the new ones. Because they be the ones get out the door first. You got to make them feel comfortable. Don't go to each other. You know each other. You know each other. Go to the new ones and talk to them. Set yourself in your position and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord that's with you, not with somebody else. Don't be caught up on what somebody else is doing. You got to see the salvation that's in you. Where's the salvation in you? Where's it at? See, that's what you got to look at. O Judah, O Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. You scared of it? Ride it out. Stand in your position. Set yourself in your position. Stand still and see the salvation of God in you. Last but not least is Isaiah 9, verse 6. And I'm right on time. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Son, a builder. That's what the word means. See, a builder, uh, when we accept Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ is birthed in us, not 2,000 years ago, no, in you and in me and in anybody else when they get saved, a child is born and a son is given. In other words, that word son means a builder of God is given to you when you become saved. And that builder of God is the person or the spirit that has the blueprint of God to build you into a God-like figure made in the image and in the likeness of God. Do you understand? He says that, and the government, which is the established empire, shall be upon his shoulder, which is his consent. All right. Head is Christ Jesus. From the shoulder down is the body. Who the body? Who's the body of Christ? The church. So the government, the established empire of God, is on our, it's on us. We're the body. From the shoulder down, that, we're the body. So, we don't really need to be playing around because of our own feelings about this thing when, you know, whether we will one day and whether we won't. No. It don't work like that. You see, it's not a will you do it anymore. When you accepted Jesus Christ, it was a command. See, that changed it from whosoever will to now you will. 
Oh, God, because now you, uh-huh. Because you done put, see, see, if you wasn't going to do it, then you shouldn't have came. Told a lady that the other day. Why you put your hand to the plow? And then turn. You ain't fit for the kingdom. See, before then, it was negotiable. Whosoever will, let him come. But now you don't put your hand to it. And you done accepted him in you. And now you think, you just, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. No, ain't no maybe. You're in the mob now. Ain't but one way out. One way. One way. Through him. That's a contract you don't break. Because if you do, he'll take you down. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's just how it is. You might want me to preach that soft stuff to you, but I got to give you all of it. That's just the way it is. You, you, we done made a contract with God. And God ain't going to let us come out of that contract. We got to finish it. Or pay the price for not. So ain't no maybe I will and maybe I won't because God got your number. Mr. Maybe. He got your number. So we better be careful on that. Because the Bible says that it's through the body that the consent of his established government will go out in the world. And his name should be Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful. He is wonderful. He's a counselor because he's a great guy and advisor. He's the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. The everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of, and this is my last verse, of the increase of his government, his established uh-huh. empire, and peace, there's not going to be no end to it. In other words, this thing is going to continue to grow, and it's going to continue to grow, and there ain't going to be no end to it. We have stepped into eternal bliss with God, into an everlasting place with him. And now all this thing going to do now is continue to grow. His body, all it's going to do is grow. That's all it's going to do. Don't ever think that his body ain't growing. If you plant the seed, his body grows. He didn't plant the seed for everybody to come near. He planted, you planted seeds so they can go out. Plant the seed and let them go on their way. When you out there, plant the seed and go on about your business. That's God's vineyard. See, we're spreading a virus here called Jesus Christ. So with that said, I want us to understand that there should be no end to his government upon the throne of David, the beloved of God, and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from hence even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, God's word is spoken. Be of good cheer. God, our Savior, has overcome the world, and so have we through his grace. Amen? Amen. Let's give God praise. Dig, come up.